The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. So my wife is from West Monroe, okay? Duck Dynasty, you know the big beard guys, you know the guys who kill ducks for a living, right? If it flies, it dies. If it's brown, it's down. You know, that's deer hunting, and it's just, okay, we get that. And so that's the only good thing that came from West Monroe, and so, besides my wife. And so, whoop, back that car up. I just messed up on the birthday. Did I say we were having Mexican food at lunch? There you go, white queso. And so you need to understand that in West Monroe, there's not a whole lot going on there. And uh, except she's got a big family. Now we have different types of families. Like, so my family is quiet and reserved. Hey, we talk with our inside voice. Anybody got a family like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like I just, it was serious. Like I grew up in the home where, no, 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 don't get loud with me. How does that make you feel, Justin? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you drink too much NyQuil, you're going to hell. You know what I mean? Like, it's got alcohol in it. And so, in Haley's family, they're loud. Like, they are, they are always a party waiting to happen. So, 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 my family, somebody goes to the hospital. You don't find out they went to the hospital till they post on Facebook, glad I get to go home today. You know, we're like, we didn't know. You know, like, what? We, you didn't even tell us. Oh, well, it's okay. I'm fine. I just had a liver transplant. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the way. That's the way my family is. So, like Haley's family, exact opposite. Like a month before they're going in for surgery, they're on Facebook. Hey, everybody! Next month, I'm going to the hospital for an outpatient surgery. They're removing a wart, and I need everybody there. Come lay hands. I ain't touching that. And pray. Somebody in her family was. I promise you, I'm going somewhere. This. Some of you are like, where in the world? I'm getting there. We're just having fun on the way. Okay. Haley's family, somebody was in the hospital, don't even know who it was, we, the whole family. Come on, guys, it's not even Thanksgiving, but we're all together. And we go to the hospital, and we walk in together, and everybody's loud, so loud. I'm embarrassed. I'm in the back. I don't know them. What? Who are they? Don't even finish a sentence. You know, like in one sentence, move to the next. A lot of fragments going on. And so I'm, we get onto the elevator. Get onto the elevator. And y'all know... You'll know, like, getting on the elevator with family is awkward, and you're not even supposed to talk on the elevator, but they're talking, and they're talking loud. Come on, get on, get on. And you know how you get everybody on the elevator, and the last person's kind of like trying to figure out whether or not they can really get on, and, and one of her sisters had a baby. The baby's got a car seat. It's the first baby, which means you pack the whole house to go to Walmart, right? I mean, you have your second baby. You put everything in a Walmart sack. The baby has a blowout. Oh, he'll be fine for another day. But the first child, you have five pair of socks. What are you going to do with five pair of socks? But you do. And so we load this child, all the stuff, and, you know, on car, you know, just the whole nine yards wobbling into the elevator, turning sideways. Everybody gets on the elevator, and, you know, there's that one person that really needs to go to the next floor, but they look at who's in the elevator. Have you ever been that person? You look into the elevator. No, I, I'll wait for the next one. There's like a whole lot of people. No, we're good. Y'all go on. Go, go. Go on. Push the button. So the door closes. We're in there. Of course, there's always the crazy uncle that never wears deodorant and talks too much, too loud, and spits on you, and we're real close. And So we're in this moment, 
and, and we finally get there, and then, and then the doors, they close, and it's cramped, and, and, you know, the only person that's worried about the weight limit is the biggest person in the elevator, which is me, and that's not fair. And so I'm just watching and waiting, and then the doors open, and when the doors open, we all pile off, you know, and it's like, it's like this big, like we made. You know, so we all get off the elevator, and then you have that moment, you get off, and then you look, and you're trying to figure out which way do we go, you know, because you know you got off on the right floor, and so you're trying to figure this out, and you're standing there, and the door's closing behind you, but you didn't get out far enough, so then there's that, you know, the one person that's kind of catching the door, trying to make sure they get out too, oh, come on, Aunt Janet, you know, and then we get her out of the elevator, and then we realize this moment, after all of that, and I'm exhausted just telling you about it. That when we got on the elevator and we crammed everybody on and all their stuff and we didn't have one person that was smart enough to figure out to push the button. Some of y'all knew where I was going. The button. Like push it. You know, at that moment when you get off and you already went by the cafeteria and realized the special of the day was kidney beans, you said, no, thank you. Cafeteria, kidney beans, hospital. And you're like, y'all can go. I'm leaving. Haley, I'm leaving. I'm out. I'm not going. I'm taking the stairs. I'm going to jump off the roof. And so I've realized in life that if we're not careful... We will pile everything that we have, everything that we love, everything that we hold dear. We pile it onto the elevator, hoping to go to another level in our life, whether it be in our finances, whether it be in our relationships, whether it be in our parenting, whether it be where we live, the kind of car that we drive, what the kind of clothes that we wear, which notch our belt is on, whether we need to buy a new one because we lost so much weight or, 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 another, or just make another hole because we ain't buying another belt. And we've got to have somebody in our life, like Pastor Stephen and Miss Katie, that when you get on the elevator trying to figure out where God wants you to be, that he knows how to push the right buttons in your life. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Pastor, why are you bringing that up? I didn't, I didn't, because he sees something, because he, he's praying for you. Because Paul wrote in the Bible and says, I've been snake bit, shipwrecked. I've, I've had so many things. I've been, I've been whipped. I've been stoned. And that's not the kind of stone you're thinking. I've been, I've been all of these things. And then on top of that, I carry the weight of the church, which means this. He's preaching at another church to honor them this morning because they invested incredibly into the house being planted. And all the while, he's texting me saying, don't mess up my people. Because he loves you. Because him and Miss Katie have invested in pushing the button to help you get to where you are or where you were to where God truly wants you to be. And I love the fact that your pastors are not afraid to pastor strong and lead strong the way the Holy Spirit is leading them. And I love that. Y'all been in a series called Life Givers. Y'all been talking about the words and how important words are and your thoughts. And today we're going to talk about life-giving actions it's very important. Matter of fact, in James, and let's look at it together. In James, he writes, in a minute, he writes, I think he wrote, he did. 
What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has, has no deeds, there's, there's no actions, it's, it's all talk, right? So what good is it? Can, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed. That sounds like such a Christianese type thing. Brother, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> no, they don't need prayer. They need, they need a sandwich, right? And so he says, what good is it? But it does nothing, uh, it does nothing for their physical needs. Needs and, and what good is it? In the same way, if faith by itself, if not accompanied, accompanied with actions, is what? Dead. Matter of fact, the message says it like this, that it's obviously uh, ridiculous if we just have faith but have no God-like actions to back it up. And that's scary because if we're not careful... We'll find ourselves as a church being one big mouth telling everybody what they should and shouldn't do and forgetting that we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, showing them through displays how to love with our deeds because our faith, especially in this house, is alive. I'm going to tell you, though, it takes a lot of energy to have great actions. It's a lot of energy to do that. I was studying because our kids are in school. They're in fifth grade and seventh grade. And so that means that we, we as parents go back to school when our kids are. I thought I was done. I'm serious. I was like, I am finished. No, it was just beginning. And, and let me tell you, I have learned some things about energy. There are two types of energy. There's potential energy and there's kinetic energy. Let me break this down for you real quick. So like potential energy. Y'all should understand this as Razorback fans. Potential energy. Every football season rolls around. We got potential this year. I see some potential. Our offensive line is bigger than the NFL offensive lines. Potential. Y'all feeling me? My quarterback's coming back. Oh, we signed his brother, right? It's in the family. We got some potential. You looked at the coach, and you're like, I see potential in this man. He is a diehard Razorback fan. I mean, look at when he gets mad or sunburned, both happen during the season. He turns red, and he gets, and he gets mad sometimes. And, and when he gets mad, he makes a face, and his face looks just like the Razorback on his shirt. Have you noticed that? He was called to be the Razorback head coach. It was just in his DNA. Right, And we know he has such potential to be able to recruit. Think about it. Have you ever seen how ugly he is and how beautiful his wife is? You know that dude can talk a good game. Hey, look, I promise, baby, if you'll marry me, life will be good. I promise. Like, he talked her into that just like he's, if your son comes in place, I know he's, he's 450 pounds and six foot Ten and man, he needs to play here, and he's quarterback. We like it, right? He's six foot ten, four hundred fifty pound quarterback. But he'll talk anybody. I mean, he just—he's good. And there's potential. The problem is potential energy is not the kind of energy you want. Because y'all find out. I went to a game last year when y'all played Toledo and Little Rock. <laughs> Oops. Potential. Need I say I'm actually a LSU fan? And so, um, <laughs> sir, I know this whole time that's three. I'm out. I know it. I'm out. I'm out. The good news is your pastor loves you. He does. He told me. What's your name? Daryl, I knew it was a guy's name. And he told me that. He told me. Potential. It's not what you want. Kinetic energy is, is what we're looking for. 
Because the difference between potential energy and kinetic, is, it's just pretty simple. So potential has all this stored up. I bet you many of us in here, we've looked at people before and said, man, they got a lot of potential. But we have to wait to see if anything surfaces, to see if something happens. So potential energy is all stored up within an object, but, but kinetic energy is an object that's in motion. Matter of fact, potential energy is irrelevant to its environment. But kinetic energy is so relevant because once that one thing, that one object has motion, it begins to affect the other thing. And then it begins to affect the other thing. And that's what I love about a community like the house, that when somebody finds out what they're good at, they, they, somebody went and visited Crystal's home. Somebody figured out what kind of mail out we needed to send that Benton would look at it and say, hmm, I might check that out. And then they showed up with their families that brought them to the place where she was working the slides this morning. Do you see the kinetic energy? See, if we don't do our part, then somebody else might miss out on their part. And they spend the rest of their life in the category of just potential instead of kinetic. And it's all about our actions, and we have to have the energy to make that happen. Now, the Bible has a great story that explains the, the potential and the kinetic. And I want to read it just real quick with you. It's found in Mark. And what we see is, is this story. It says, a few days later, Jesus again entered Capernaum, and the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there were, was no room left, and not even outside the door. So this was just jam-packed. And, and so Jesus, he was preaching the word to them. And some men, check that out. So some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And then we'll keep reading. It goes on to say, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the, the mat and the man who was lying on it. And when Jesus saw their faith, so he saw it. So it's, this is action, right? So when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And it goes on in the story where he was healed. Now, I want to talk about that for just a minute. I want to talk about this idea of action. Okay, so I'm going to share three words with you, but they're going to be a little bit different than probably what you heard when you were growing up. So write this down. Ready, fire, aim. Now, when my dad was teaching me how to shoot the BB gun, the Red Rider, had to put your eye out, kid, you know, he was teaching me, son, ready, aim, fire. But the problem with that as I've grown up is it's created so much caution and tension and fear inside of me that I have spent many, many years of my own personal life aiming but never firing. So then I spend the, the, my time understanding that I had so much potential to hit the target, yet I never just could pull the trigger. And I just want to say today that, that as we think about the thoughts and the words of this Life Giver series, that we've also got to follow that up with life-giving actions. And we can't do that by sitting around aiming all day long. So I would like to beg of you, can we change it? today and say ready fire aim let me let me break down the ready part this is tricky because sometimes you say well I don't know if I'm ready the truth is I'm so thankful that none of us have ever been ready enough for God to truly use us that's why he he just he is excellent at taking people that weren't good enough and turning them into the disciples that we read about today I love the fact that we don't have to sit back and say well God when I get all my stuff together all my junk together, 
Wait, God's like, I don't want you to get all your junk together. I, that's not your job. That's my son's job. That's why he went to the cross. I just want you to gather all your junk and bring it to the foot of the cross. I think about this story that we just read. So it said some men brought a paralyzed man carried by four. Think about this for a minute. Just have some fun. I think there were a bunch of men that got together and said, we need to take that paralyzed guy over to Jesus. But there were four guys that said, I'll grab a corner. I'm just going to tell you, we can sit in committee meetings and have board meetings and we can talk all day long about the color of the walls. We can just immerse ourselves in the next great idea of what we think we ought to do in life. Or we can just make ourselves available and say, hey, I got a corner. I don't think those guys were like, hey, man, I think I need to get the corner. I went to Planet Fitness last night, did some push-ups. So I did some air squats. Skinny jean problems. <laughs> Think about it. I did. I planked for 25 seconds. I can handle a corner. I just think there were four guys that just said, I'm available. I just think that, that that's what ready is about. It's not, not evaluating your past. That would only be what the enemy would love to do. That's why your windshield is this big. And your rearview mirror is this big. Because it's this much more important that we focus on what's ahead instead of worrying about what happened behind us. I just don't think in my life, I have never had one time where God has said, well, Justin, do you remember when you messed up back then? He didn't say it because he doesn't remember it either. Because I asked him to forgive me for it. So it's the enemy that loves to do that. So we have to just be ready. Just be available. Now, I played high school football, and I know some of you probably think that's kind of hard to imagine, but I did. And in um, and, and my freshman year, I really wanted to get into the game, and I wasn't very good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just a freshman, you know, and, and I didn't have the skills that I have acquired over the years. Uh, I'm just kidding. And so about the third quarter, our team would be winning by about 20 or 30 points. And you know what I did? I saw all my friends. They just kind of stayed off to the side and were hanging out and talking about what they wanted to do. And I, I put my helmet on, and I buckled up. And I put my mouthpiece in, and I followed the coach. Coach, go this way. I want, hey, I'm with you. Because I knew what was going to happen is we were winning by so much we're having so much success that somebody was going to forget to go out and man their position. And I knew what was going to happen. It happened all the time. We were like, we need a running back. Where's a running back? And I'm like, and I'd run it. I don't even know the play. But I was available. I was ready. And let me tell you something. I wasn't in the back stretching and getting ready and learning the playbook. I was just staying close to the coach. I just want to encourage you, if you wonder, hey, how can I be ready? Just get close to the coach. Here's the way you get close to the coach. This Wednesday night, may we pray. You can show up. Come, you come up and, and maybe you're like, I don't know how to pray. Well, what a great opportunity to learn. Just come listen to people pray. Well, I need the prayer. Well, well great. That's why we pray. Well, I, I like to pray. Well, then you're perfect to show up and pray. I like coffee. Well, come sit in the foyer while they pray, and you can just get a little bit of coffee. I don't, just make yourself available. 
to be ready. Ready. Fire. Think about fire for a minute. And, and this isn't rambunctious, guys. This isn't like, well, I'm just going to. No, no, no. This is, this is where we just step out of faith and say, I'm going to give it my best shot. When those guys showed up carrying that guy, I could promise you what I would have done. I promise you I'd have been like, oh, the crowd's too big. This ain't going to work. We need to go on home. We didn't get tickets. We didn't get a parking pass. This is not, this ain't a good idea. Maybe the next time Jesus comes in, we'll be ready. Let's go back. Let's, let's just, it just wasn't our time. No, 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 no. They were like, no, we came all the way, th- all the way to this point. Let's go ahead and climb up and dig through the ceiling, and l- let's go ahead and figure out a way. Let's fire. They didn't know the next step. They just kind of took that step and then went on to the next. I just think it's amazing sometimes as GPS tells us every little step we're going to take in the whole process. Faith doesn't work that way. You just got to go ahead and take step number two without, without understanding number 10. But the truth is, if we knew what number 10 looked like, we wouldn't take number two because we wouldn't understand the middle part. But that's God's job, not ours. And we're carrying a load. We're trying to do his job. We're carrying a load that he never intended for us to carry. He said, my load is easy. My, my burden, it's light. And it's my job to trade with you. But God, I think I'm good at doing your job and then you do mine. So we sit back thinking God's going to live for us when the truth is God already lived for us through his son Jesus so that we could live for him today. So let's let him be good at being God, us be good at taking the next step in firing and believing what God has created us to do. What I love about firing is that here at the house we give you awesome opportunities to do that. Matter of fact, we have life groups coming up so you're like I'm not going to join a life group I'm not going over to somebody's house I don't like cats I don't like their stale Doritos and I don't want to hear about their Bible lesson if I hear another Beth Moore Bible lesson I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off a bridge like listen I'm serious you got to be there if you're like I'm not sure if I want to be in that environment just fire and go for it and maybe some of you are like well I've been in so many life groups I don't even know what I need to do let me tell you what you you need to lead one seriously and then, and then, like, that moment is like, oh, but I can't. I'm not ready. Well, we just went over that. I'm glad we accomplished that part. Well, I don't know enough to teach somebody. You know what I found is every time that I begin to prepare for something, I end up learning more than the people I prepared for. Just fire into it. Can you gather two people? Can you give them a scripture? Can you pray for them? Can you be nice and smile? You can be a life group leader, okay? We believe in you. Fire into it. Well, what if I mess up? You will. It's not a if. You are going to mess up. Congratulations. When you're a part of the house, that means you're a part of the family, which means we're going to have a little bit of grace here, right? We're going to let people try. Somebody let us try. So when I think about that fire, I think about how we have the opportunity to truly step out and make a difference. But once we've fired, then we have to aim. We have to aim. This is where it's just different. We're shooting at things and then we aim. That's because, listen, wherever you start is not going to be necessarily where you end up. We will aim once we have the opportunity and we're involved. So, so think about this for a minute. They ripped off the roof. You know how inconvenient and wrong that is? <laughs> Farmers insurance would have a heyday with that. Seriously. And they're pulling sticks and mud 
and even a little manure. You're going to have to go through some stuff when you're trying to get somebody to Jesus. And after they got through some of that difficult stuff, then the Bible says they lowered his mat to Jesus. They began to aim. That's why I love the framework. Some of you are like, what, what's framework? It's, it's our process here, a three-step process. Very easy for you to learn about the vision. And, and why in the world did Pastor Stephen and Miss Katie move their four children up here? What, what was the vision? What's the reason behind that? And was it just to do church? No, it was to be the church. And, and they create this framework, not just because they want you to know the vision of the house, but because they, they want you to know why you were created. Like, think about this for a minute. We were all created on purpose for a purpose. Like you're not an accident. Your thumbprint is different than anybody else's. And I would encourage and beg of you to stop trying to be like everybody else because they're all taken. But if you can't be who God's created you to be, then there's a gap. There's a missing moment. There will be nothing but a, a body occupied by nothing more than potential energy becoming irrelevant to the environment around them. But when you go to framework and you do the spiritual gifts and you find out on your personalities just how bipolar you really are, isn't that fun when we get to do that? You're like, that's why. Haley's like, if I would have known there were tests we could have taken before we got married well we would have taken some tests <laughs> think about this 87% of all believers do not know their spiritual gift now 99.9% of all statistics are untrue but just go with me here 87% if 87% of your body didn't work will you just be an invalid the reason why I love the house so much is because you have pastors that aren't creating their own show. But they've created an opportunity for you to show out for Jesus and what he's done in your life. And so when people serve in children's ministry or in their greeters like Mr. Andy, the, guy, the first guy I met when I walked in here, I was like, my God, Haley, we need an Andy in Kansas City. I thought about, hey, we have an extra seat. Maybe we can kidnap him. Then I saw cops pulling up said, better not. Seriously. And so you have to understand that if only 80% or 87% of the church is working, that is when it becomes the mouth versus the hands and feet. And when you find out what God created you to do, then you don't show up on Sunday morning because you have to. We show up on Sunday morning because we get to. Yes. It's such a different action. Like, and it's so amazing how they do this because they don't say, well, we, we desperately need somebody at the front door. And then they look at somebody who never smiles and says, will you do it? Okay. It's like the, 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 the blue donkey on Winnie the Pooh, whatever. Hello. Coffee. We like for those people to be in a different area of the church. And we want people that love kids to be in there with kids. If you hate kids, they hate you too. They see it. But the actions, the actions of getting you in the right spot, your sweet spot, 
what you were created to do. And let me encourage you with this. I stayed in a hotel last night, and it was so wonderful. And we had a goodie basket. The kids walked in the door, and they saw this basket. They started throwing elbows and fighting. And my daughter went after all the chocolate because she's female. And my son, he went after all the Gatorade because he's a stud muffin athlete. He got it all from his mama. And I want you to understand, they had so much fun. And, and I left the hotel this morning, and, and I was like, I kept the key. How many of you remember you used to have to turn it in? I kept it. I don't even know why. Like it's going to work later. Like I'm going to come back next year and just walk by every door. No. Because here's the thing. Some of you have grown frustrated in the actions that are within your life. Because what happens is sometimes potential energy can go to kinetic, but sometimes kinetic energy can turn back into potential if the environment changes. And I'm just afraid if we're not careful, what we will do is we will walk from thing to thing in life, swiping a key that opened up a door that God had called us to 10 years ago, forgetting or not remembering the fact that maybe he could open up a new door for you. Well, I used to be really good at. Well, you were good at that so that he could ready, fire, aim you into this. And I just want to encourage you, stop trying to swipe the key and say, hey, God, where do you need me? Find a need and meet it. If God has given you the ability and the gifting to find problems, it's because he wants you to solve them, not just bring them up. Let's start solving problems so that we can make a difference because we've got to take life-giving actions into what God has called us to do. I want to tell you real quick, and I'm closing. I'm so thankful for my mom and dad that took life-giving actions in, in my life. I was born in Pennsylvania. I have nine siblings, but only one from the same dad. My biological mother is a crackhead prostitute to this day. I've talked to her twice on the phone. The first time that she called me, and the only reason she got my number is because Facebook really is wonderful at helping people find you that you don't want them to. Hi, Justin. This is your mother. Can I have a kidney? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Second time she called me, I told her no, by the way, I have two, but I wasn't really, they were, you know, I, you know, anyway, they weren't for sale. So, second time she called, Justin, there's banging and scream. Justin, please help me. What, what, what? You, you, will you call 911? She is in Pennsylvania. I, like, I don't know her address. Like, I don't, I, I don't even know where you live. I can't call 911. What's wrong? And she's like, my pimp, he's at the door. He's going to kill me. What, what, what can I do? She said, will you send money? I'll buy you a ticket to a rehab. Eh, 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 eh. About six months ago, she had a brain aneurysm and lived. Like she overdosed on meth and fried her brain and lived. And it's just crazy. She lives in a home now in California with 13 other people. Probably off of our taxes Work in the streets to get the next fix. My biological father is in prison in California. He's serving 35 to life for murder. He shot his best friend in the face on a drug deal gone bad. So don't jack with me. I know you wanted to leave, but I'm glad you stayed. And, and I got his address from one of my siblings. And what do you say to your biological father that you've never talked to? So I sent him a card. It was around Christmas time. And, and what do you do? Like all these cards are so sentimental. And, 
you know, it's kind of like, I don't, like, I can't do that, right? So I found this card that had a little kitty cat on the front of it, and it was like with a little, like the little, you know, elf hat. And it was like, Merry Christmas. You know, it probably got him beat up. I don't know. And, um, and I wrote him and just said, hey, this is Justin. And he wrote me back, and he was like, hey, I found God. I hope that you have too. You know, stay away from the speed and only drink one or two beers. <laughs> he was breaking it down for me. And... He wrote me the story. My biological mother was on the run from the cops. The, the first four that were born, I was the third one. She gave the, the, the first two and the last one away to the parents of the fathers because they knew who the kids belonged to, but they just didn't know who I belonged to. So my biological mother is running from the cops, and she goes from Pennsylvania down to Folk, Arkansas, population 809. Y'all ever been there? It's in your state. You didn't even know it existed. It's outside of Texarkana, people. Come on. Go with me. And she pulled up, and she was on the run, and there was this woman that lived there who was childhood friends with my parents in Shreveport, Louisiana. Her name was Judy. Judy had a, a, a girlfriend, and her girlfriend's brother was shacking up with my mother, right? So they all started to figure out what was happening. And so they had this 17-month-old baby who was malnutrition, big belly. Now today it's because of overnutrition, but back then it was malnutrition. The, the weight capacity of the diaper had far surpassed its max capacity. And, and there I was just kind of drug around to every little thing that was happening in that moment. I was truly the definition of a crack baby. So if I talk too fast, that's why. And, and the truth is, my biological mother was leaving, and Judy said, I know a family in Shreveport, Louisiana, that's been wanting to adopt for years. My biological mother said, well, I'm just going to leave Justin here with you, and I hope it works out. And she left. Didn't even go into the system. Like, I, I wasn't even, I, didn't, I just didn't even, like, just left me with a strange woman that hopefully it would make sense when they drove up to get me. And so my mom and dad drove up, and they got me, and they took me home. And they weren't ready for a child. They just weren't. They didn't have the bed. They didn't have diapers. They didn't have clothes. They didn't have baby bottles. I needed a binky. Everybody needed a binky at one point. Don't judge. Think about it. They weren't ready. Many times what God wants to do in our lives, we won't be ready for it. But we just got to fire into it, and then we'll figure out the direction later. And they raised me. And at 17 months old, from 17 months all the way to five years of age, they could not contact my mom to sign the papers. Uh, just a few months after they took me home, it was a Christmas time, and my biological mother made contact and said, I want Justin back. And so they began to make this, this fight. So from age 17 months to five years of age, my mom and dad raised me wondering if this strange woman was ever going to come into their area or into their home and take me away. And I remember the day right before I started elementary school, I went to the courthouse and, and my dad talked to me outside of the building and I remember playing with the bricks uh, behind me and feeling the roughness of the bricks. And my dad said, no, son, I need you. This is a serious moment. Look at me. And I was like, okay. You know, he's like, no, 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 seriously, look at me. The judge is going to ask you one question. Who do you want to live with? I'm just wondering, buddy, what's your answer? I said, well, Dad, I, I want to live with you. So I went in there, and that judge had a white beard, looked like Santa Claus. He's, you know, that's what I remember. And he said, son, who do you want to live with? And I, I turned around, and I pointed to my mom and dad. I said, 
I, I want to I live, live with my mom and dad. Because they invited me, they took action and invited me to a house that became a home. I'm going to beg and plead for you to get behind the vision to do framework, what is your next step? Do framework, get here to pray, join a life group, invite somebody, slow down for a minute, stop pumping the gas and using your credit card, walk inside and talk to the cashier because the same actions, go inside the bank, meet somebody, actually say hi to your neighbor without closing the garage door behind you when you pull in. Think about the people you sit next to in class. It's not a mistake, it's not an accident. I am begging you to think about the person across who street who has given up on life that your next step across the street will create an opportunity for them to enter into a house that they could not afford that but that was created for them that could become a home and I'm asking for you to jump behind and let this year be the best year that this church has ever seen as the house becomes the home for many many to come to know Jesus Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.